Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate this space together. Today, we're joined by Grotigy, otherwise known on Twitter as Proof of Review. Grotigy made his name on Twitter in fundamental analysis, and this is a through line of everything we discuss, from the long-term viability of various altcoin projects to exchange security, and even on to the very secret of maximizing ROI in the blockchain space over time. Spoiler alert, it's not what you think. Grotigy is a sage in the space, and I consider myself lucky to have had the opportunity to share in his wisdom on this episode of The Nest Show. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the ride. What The Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Gordaji, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. And uh, thank you very much for having me. Really excited for today's podcast. It's my pleasure. And in speaking with you pre-show, there are so many elements that came up that I wasn't even anticipating and really excited to get underway with this. We didn't discuss this, but where are you located? Um, So I'm based in London, um, UK. Just as a quick aside, kind of before we get into some of the fundamental aspects of the market, in your personal trading style and, and with your colleagues, do you find that you base movements in the market off of London players? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically very fortunate being in in uh, London time zone. London is like the heart of like the FX um, kind of trading scene. So basically the idea is, you know, people come to work, um, they start work at eight o'clock, they finish at five o'clock and, you know, logic would state that, you know, the institutions are trading between that time, then, you you know, you as a retail trader should really follow that. Um, so I always give the premise of like, you know, if uh, if your barber's opens at nine o'clock in the morning and he closes at five, you're not going to go there at seven o'clock and wait for him. Well, nothing's happening. Right. So very much the same in the in the trading market. You know, if you're able to to trade your timing around specific time zones, it helps a lot because, you know, this is when the activity happens. Yeah. And there is you know, so much activity in London and in England. Is there a lot of attention, you know, from that community on Bitcoin as a hedge? Not really. And I mean, um, I'll be quite open here. So like I'm a crypto guy at heart. So this is pretty much where I came from and where I ended up. Uh, I don't really know many people who trade um, the general market. So like most crypto traders, I tend to just, you know, kind of associate with people online. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of uh, crypto exposure, Pretty much just surrounded by crypto people all day, really. Yeah, it's fascinating. So Paul Tudor Jones made headlines this week uh, as he said that he's buying Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation that he sees coming from central banks and money printing. It's fascinating the way that that grabs headlines. You know, even though when you dive into it, he's not buying spot Bitcoin, he's getting exposure to it through futures. Yeah, so Gurdjie, I'd love to introduce our listeners more to what you do in the day-to-day with your FA work and any uh, projects that you're excited about in the space. And you know, we were talking pre-show about some of the trends with various altcoin projects and your experience through a couple of altcoin cycles. So yeah, just want to kind of to open up the floor and give our listeners a better introduction to the work you do. Yeah, so I mean, a little bit about me. Um, I'm full-time crypto, so pretty much this is you know what pays the bills. Um, it's what I do for my career been doing this since like 2013 
pretty much six out of seven years. I only went back to work um, to get a mortgage for a house. <laughs> Literally, as soon as that came through, I handed in my notice. Um, left to work within a month um, buying the house. Yeah, literally just been crypto ever since again. So set up proof of review a couple of years ago. And I think the one thing I've learned being in crypto for so long is, you know, a lot of the um, money that's made in this industry is made in speculation cycles. And they only tend to last like a six to 12 month period, maybe, you know, a bit longer than a year if you're lucky. Um, so yeah, back in 2018, after everything had cooled off, um, sat down, you know, thought to myself, well, where am I going in my life? Um, one of the things I did before that was review projects um, internally to kind of look at them for analysis. And yeah, kind of proof of review was born as a result of that. Project is mainly around reviewing projects, exchanges, um, wallets, etc. And kind of just looking at areas where, you know, um, these things can improve. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit about me. I guess um, I live, breathe and eat crypto seven days a week, um, every day of the year, even on holiday. So yeah, pretty much my life, I guess. Yeah, it's so funny how, you know, with crypto, they say the market never sleeps. It's it's almost as though crypto prints more hours in the day. Because, you know, if you have your phone in your pocket, then technically the work never leaves you, you know? Before I got into crypto, I used to be a social worker. So I used to work with families. I used to work with people coming out of prison, all sorts. And, you know, at that time, although I liked my job, I hated it at the same time. So I couldn't wait for the day to pass. As soon as I got into crypto, I literally didn't want to sleep because I just wanted to absorb all the information I could. And it's still pretty much like that seven years later. I love it, man. That's how you know you're doing the right thing in your work with uh, Proof of review tell us a little bit about your team like is it just you or do you have colleagues that you work with in that yeah so uh, i have a colleague that i work with um, in terms of the team it's myself and my colleague nick um for that for those guys who don't know coin trader nick on twitter um he's also got his own analyst blog as well so we just work in hand in hand um to review the projects um, been a friend of nick for a few years now and yeah he's you know um, well known in the space and you know his um his his outlook is um, pretty much second to none in terms of his um, attention to detail. Well, you, you touch on a great point there that I feel like is uh, unique to crypto, and that is how much information there is to digest at any given time, you know, be it with new projects that are emerging or existing projects with, um, you know, new uh, roadmaps or new details to share. And then, of course, you know, you have policy evolution, you know, from uh, from market to market and, you know, hacks and, and all, all sorts of components to uh, digest. So for budding fundamental analysts who are trying to find a better way to metabolize all this information, do you have any tips uh, for them as far as, you know, how to go from a macro view and really zero in to what matters about a project or about an exchange or hardware, et cetera. Do you have any uh, tips for our listeners who are really looking to refine their uh, fundamental analyst skills? Most definitely. I mean, I think the first point I always look at is, you know, it doesn't matter what coin you're trading, the exchange is usually the first point where you're trading the coin, whichever one you want to buy or sell. So the first thing anyone should do in this industry before they kind of put money on the exchange is actually check, you know, the reliability of the platform. Is it secure? Who are the people running it? You know, I mean, um, I've been around long enough to know that exchange hacks are probably the most lucrative 
um, hack you can do. And not only that, the majority of them are done by the exchange itself. Um, so yeah, first thing I would say to people, you know, you're putting potentially thousands, tens of thousands, even in some cases, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars onto a platform. I, I have a um, checklist what I use for my scoring, but simple one for the listeners out there. If you go on an exchange and you look at their about page and there's no team on there, no company, do not send your money to that platform. How can you trust a, a company that doesn't even, you know, be transparent about who they are? Um, you know, second thing, if you then register and the platform's not secure, e.g. there's no two-factor, they're not making you do it mandatory, don't use the platform. You know, your funds are the most important thing in crypto and don't put them at risk based on speculating on you know a coin going up if the platform you're using is not secure or safe in itself shout out to my boy lannister he got me onto xrb when it was either pennies or or fractions of pennies that was my first 50x uh went i can't remember if it went between 50 or 100x but I was on trading it on Mercatox and for the longest time Mercatox had some, you know, basically some bullshit notice that, oh, your XRB is not available for withdrawal or, you know, not, you know, basically it, you could wash it around the exchange, but you couldn't pull it off. And then they had delays on other withdrawals as well, where, you know, basically, you know, I was... Uh, speculating along with other traders being like, Hey, is, is Mercatox just, you know, wash trading XRB and, you know, uh, using my funds to subsidize their own speculation with this tool while I'm just basically bleeding out value because I was, you know, looking to sell at, you know, what I thought was the top and what ended up being pretty much the top, uh, somewhere around 30 bucks. And they, uh, hamstrung me with uh, some some questionable at best practices uh, that kind of you know left me cashing out for for much less than I would have otherwise I I have to say that that you know I'm almost a little sheepish to share that because you know I I can't speak to what actually happened with Mercatox that's exactly you what know, happened but- I guarantee you I mean I've been around in crypto long enough to know that's exactly what happened I mean Bear in mm-hmm. mind, this exchange makes more money off a speculation-based coin going up that they can sell themselves than they would make in fees on the trading. So you know, just a reminder for any listener out there, the exchange is not your friend. It never will be. Its only sole purpose is to make money off you. Now, you know, um, one point I want to touch on with this that's probably really important in the way I explain it is you know we practice and preach about risk management all the time don't risk more than one percent in effect majority of people risk a hundred percent of their funds on an exchange no matter how much risk management you put into your trading if you're not putting risk management into the exchange you're using you're basically putting a hundred percent of your funds at risk at any one time by holding them on there that's so true and gordiji i'd i'd love to follow that up with uh the question that I know listeners are screaming in their heads right now is that you know you have a great grasp on security and and um, you know how to size up an exchange. So uh, out of London, what what exchange gets the most of your volume? 
Um, if I'm honest with you, I mean, I don't think there's anything kind of really established in the UK that kind of um, compares to its rivals globally, um, especially <clears throat> in terms of a spot or a fiat value. Um, the only one that I know of in the UK is CoinFloor. Um, and again, in terms of liquidity globally, it don't really compare, um, which is a surprise, really. I mean, in terms of um, innovation and regulation, um, London is pretty much a prime hub for both of these things, especially in the in the fintech sector. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be open. I don't think there's really I mean, if anyone out there is listening, you know, where are you guys? <laughs> make something and make it quick there's a lot of money to be made i mean you know um another thing i want to talk about with exchanges is a lot of people will um do reviews or you know promote exchanges and their only sole aim of doing that is to ensure that you sign up under their referral link so i mean i'm not going to mention the individual in question but there was a recent incident on crypto twitter that played out where you know a well-known crypto twitter individual was working with an exchange, um, things turned out sour. He was no longer an employee of the exchange and then started to badmouth them and talk rubbish about them. Now that's all well and good from his point of view because he's looking to get paid and he's causing a drama. But what about all the people that he kind of promoted to use that exchange that have put their Bitcoin on there that he's now claiming is a scam exchange because they won't pay him. So this is the thing that people should really listen to when, you know, when I'm talking about this. Do your own due diligence on an exchange. Don't listen to what people are saying in terms of, oh, use this and use my link. Well, what's the guy telling you why to use your link? Is he telling you because he's used the exchange and he's got this experience from it? Or is he just putting a link on there and saying, sign up now? Again, people just want to be careful out there. I mean, underlying thing with this, what is your end goal in crypto? Obviously, for everyone out there, is to make money, right? The most traditional way of... No, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the tech. Right, they say that. I mean, no one gives a uh, shit about yeah, the tech. Just... Come on, man. I mean, you know, um, anyone who says that, <laughs> just don't be friends with the guy because he's not truthful. It's like, you know, when they say um, you might not like someone, but you respect them if they tell you the truth. And I'm a strong believer in that. If someone sits here and says to me, I want to make as much money in crypto as I can, for the next couple of years or you know um, pay for my family's education pay for my kids you know school buy a house i'll respect that guy someone sits here and says oh well i like the tech and it's gonna I think it's gonna change the world i'm like you're chatting shit mate do you know what i mean so anyway we're, we're getting off topic here i'll probably go into a 10 minute rant based on that um so yeah i mean you know in terms of like what i was saying in terms of junior due diligence we focus mainly on exchanges solely because it's the, the central point where people kind of invest their funds. We also do project reviews as well, but I think that's probably the next topic um, that I'd like to talk about on, on this podcast is, you know, the future of altcoin projects and, you know, your role in, in investing in them and how you can benefit from them, you know, for your benefit, not for, for anyone else's. Well, let's let's dive right into that because um, as we were talking pre-show, the market is developing so rapidly, and uh, projects that seem like a good idea at the time from uh, from a year or more ago, and many have gone to the wayside. I mean, when you say gone to the wayside, it just makes me think like you know. So I'm gonna put it like this: the best, probably the best way I can describe it. Right, Bitcoin is the market leader in this industry, right? It's the, um, the most established, the most adopted and, you know, the most widely known and probably regulated at some point as well. You know, it's talked about in Congress, um, the Federal Reserve, 
federal banks are all aware of it. In terms of um, Bitcoin, let's say Andreas Antonopoulos, and apologies if I've said his name wrong, was a core developer on Bitcoin. Anyone out there listening, remembering when he asked for money in 2017 because he didn't make anything off Bitcoin or he didn't have any coins? You know, so this is a guy who's worked on the project. He's responsible for the development of where you see it is today. But he wasn't paid for it as a result. And this is the underlying thing with, with one element of coins. If they are not making money and they don't have money to develop and pay its developers, at some point they will just go by the wayside, like you said. There's no incentive for them to continue. Now, so I've been through a cycle where I've seen that happen time and time again. And then we came to this new cycle of ICOs, especially in 2017, where that model was flipped around and projects were paid up front by, you know, speculation based investors who were hoping that, you know, they paid the, the, uh, the project, they developed the product that they're talking about. And at the end, you know, everyone makes money and it's a win win. Now, we look back three years from that cycle. How many projects have actually come out of that the other side and, you know, made money? Just even today, Deep Brain Chained um, literally took the piss out of his investors and said, you know, fuck you guys, we've got off, we've spent your money. And that is the underlying story with 99.9999% of projects in this space. They are not going to do anything for you. You are speculating on the price going up. And I'm going to say it like this, guys. Everyone out here sits and talks about 10x, 100x, 50x. The only way that a coin gets to that price is if there's a willing buyer on the other end who's going to willingly buy it off you at 10x the price of what he sees at the bottom of the chart or where you may have bought it from. Now, listen guys, that gig is up. No one out there who's listening is gonna buy a coin 10 times what its price was, are they? Because they know it's got no further to go. There's speculation that they're gonna find another guy to dump it on higher than what they bought it for. So what I'm trying to say here in a nutshell is, as great as the technology is in these projects, they're not gonna go anywhere and they're not gonna make you rich. You know, it's all speculation that if you invest in it, you can dump it on someone else. Now I wanna tag this into another thing that seems to be the underlying thing that annoys me a lot in crypto, is this issue of morality. And it fucking seems to be like the morality police in crypto around the corner everywhere. And I wanna put it like this. If you have a moral issue with someone selling their time in work or in his employee or building a business and charging a service in crypto and you say that's a scam, but you're comfortable sitting there and buying coins and hoping to dump it on someone 10 times what you paid for it when you know it's worthless and has no use whatsoever. Who's the biggest scammer out here? The guy who sold you, you know, something that's got at least value, he sold you his time and his expertise. Or some guy who sold you a dream on vaporware of a coin that's backed by it and you sold it to someone, a random guy on the internet, you know, and laughed about it with your friends after that some idiot bought it. I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant here, but I just want to say one last thing on this. I will never forget in the summer of 2014, there was a coin I had called Parkbite. And luckily enough, I kind of sold it more than what I paid for it. But I remember there was a guy who tweeted, and listen to this, guys. He said, I've just bought 85 Bitcoins worth of Parkbite. If anyone's listening out there, please Google Parkbite. Please go on CoinMarketCap and tell me what that's worth now. Nothing. Yeah, you can you can read it on that guy's tombstone. Right. Much. I mean, please, you know, come on. I mean, how many out there listening would kill for 85 Bitcoin right now? It's life changing for anyone out there unless you're a multimillionaire already. 
You know, I mean, yeah. what, what's 85 Bitcoin right now at 9K? Uh, my maths is a bit off, 600 odd thousand dollars. You know, that could pay off anyone's <laughs> mortgage. Um, and this guy put it into Parkbite on the basis of it was going to go up higher. And, you know, basically he got dumped on and he couldn't find anyone else to dump on higher. One last point on this. You are basically gambling on a stranger to build a project and pay you. Now, in what sense of any imagination does anyone out there think that that's going to work in life? Yeah, I, I think that at any stage of the game, it's important to you know keep in mind the uh, psychology at play with, with any speculative market, which uh, cryptocurrency very much is. And, and that's, you know, it, it um, extends to what a, what a friend told me about people in your life. Uh, friends come and go. There's friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for a lifetime. I feel like Bitcoin is the obvious friends for a lifetime, if ever there was a lifetime long friend in crypto. The friends for a reason are maybe those very few altcoin projects that you know, will weather the storm and whose use case uh, is so undeniable and so, you know, so enriching to the bottom line of various enterprises and users who come across it, that it will be woven into the fabric of next level commerce uh, as we know it. So maybe something like Chainlink or various uh, dApps built on Ethereum or Ethereum itself, whatever. And then you have friends for uh, a season, which are so many of the speculative projects where people have just come in and may, the real dangerous part of the, you know, friends for a season uh, speculation uh, category is that many of them may not even know what their, uh, what their true motives are. You know, they may say, oh, well, you know, we can do whatever on the blockchain, yada, yada. And they see the excitement in the marketplace and they see that they can get money from investors or maybe people in their network are saying, hey, you should build this. You have the expertise. You have the know-how. Here's a wad of cash. And they might not even be aware that their pupils have dilated and that they're full on drunk on the possibility of making overnight cash. They sell it so well that they believe their own lie. Maybe in their subconscious, they know that project won't be worth a barrel of rotten fish in six months. What you talked about being the seasonal thing is the best way you can put it. So, you know, there will be a season every three or four years in this industry where all coins pop off, right? And you can buy anything, you can close your eyes, throw it at a dartboard or coin market cap, pick anything, buy it, and it will go up in price. In between those three or four years, there's usually a quiet period, you know, and a down period. And it's usually coincides with a bear market for the, the market leader, which then coincides for everything else. Now, what I suggest to people is stick around as long as you can and get yourself in that season. But once that season comes along, pay yourself enough that you can now enjoy the next few years of a quiet period after that and not have any stress mm -hmm. about the price of Bitcoin. The most successful guy I know in this industry is not on Twitter anymore. And what he did in 2017, you know, he, he kind of sold up his crypto, he went traveling with his girlfriend for a year or two, got married, and he's now come back. So yeah, I mean, you know, this guy, he's, um, he's enjoyed his life, he's taking the money, and he's had no stress of this, you know, two years in between of looking at charts 
and trying to speculate on the same basis. So, you know, if I'm giving advice to anyone out there who's in crypto and wants to do well, enjoy the money while you make it and take the time off. This market isn't going anywhere. I love it, man. I love it. It's it's so funny. You just mentioned the time. It feels like we've been talking for five minutes, but um, we're we're well into it. So before we kind of wrap up with the final thoughts, I wanted to revisit something we had spoken about in pre-show, and that's privacy coins. Just to reiterate it for listeners, what is your take on privacy coins and kind of the utility for them moving forward in the current state of the market and of kind of how the public views privacy coins? Yeah, I mean, so a couple of issues I have with privacy coins. Now, there's definitely a market needed for them. You know, the black market in the um, the global economy exists. It will never go anywhere and it's a necessary evil. Now, often people associate, you know, the black market with um, illegal money, you know, through drugs, whatever. But the majority of it actually tends to be laundered money through, you know, um, organized business um, and, you know, big corporations who don't want to pay tax, even politicians. You know, um, I don't know if anyone remembers the Panama Papers scandal a couple of years ago. Um, you know, politicians from every country were Im- implicated. Yeah, there are a lot of politicians who'd like to get you to forget. Exactly. Now, people tend to forget. But, you know, now the benefit of the Internet is, you know, it's only online forever. So. You know, there is a use for it. Now, I have a kind of a couple of issues with privacy coins. And I guess the first thing is, is with blockchain technology, one of the difficult things that I've learned with it, because this is an emerging technology, it's, um, it's very kind of like hit and miss. So when we talk about being anonymous, you know, there's certain levels to anonymity that I don't understand online. You know, uh, I won't because I'm not a tech guy. But I believe the top um, coin, or in some eyes, top coin Monero, or one of the top coins, let's say, to save anyone kicking off or frothing at the mouth, is maybe a Dash fanboy or something else. I mean, you know, the basic underlying premise of uh, Monero's algorithm, nobody knows how many coins exist. So the original one for that was ByteNote or something like that. I can't remember that far back the name. Um, But basically, it got exploited and no one really knows how many coins are out there. You know, potentially there's more coins than the blockchain actually says it's a limit. So with privacy coins, you'll always have that as an issue. If it's super private, you won't actually be able to trace how many coins exist on the blockchain. And, you know, if if there's a store of value associated with that, then, you know, there's more coins than what it says out there. Then it's, you know, in effect, inflation that's hidden that you don't know about. So there's a risk of that. And then the second risk, I always think is anything to do where the government can't see what's going on with finances has a risk of regulation. So when I say that, cash right now is the king of, you know, dirty money laundering, whatever you want to call it. You know, eventually people agree that cash will probably be outlawed because of, um, you know, the government can't track all of it. But the underlying thing I will say is trying to move, trying to try to move more than $10,000 or 10,000 of your native currency in your country and see what happens somebody is asking a question you leave the country they're going to ask you you come into a country with that they're going to ask you you put it into a bank they're going to ask you so what i'm trying to say is the government will always put some even though they can't ban it they will always put some sort of filter in place where they will want to find out what you're doing with your money i tend to agree with you on on all these points and and just wanted to you know issue the a uh, counterpoint for the sake of uh, conversation for uh, for a coin that I'm uh, a couple of coins that I'm keen on in the privacy space. There's there's Beam and Darrow, uh, both of which 
do have uh, a capped issuance. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what either of them are, you know, but you don't run into the same inflated risk of inflation that you do uh, for Monero. So there are coins that I am keen on in the privacy space that um, if listeners are following uh, my publications or the um, uh, bulletin series that the Nest Club releases uh, as Beam and Darrow. And, you know, for a coin, let's say like Beam, uh, there's UK, the use case outside of money laundering and illicit activities, uh, and that's for privacy use in enterprise, you know, where a company is, you know, perhaps looking to um, obfuscate financial flows from their competitors so that their competitors won't be wise to, um, you know, various purchase orders that might be coming from their vendors or, you know, to, to get um, the jump on uh, the release of quarterly earnings or other proprietary financial flows that they might be engaged in. Uh, you know, once I became aware of, of some of the compliance measures that, that Beam was engaged in as well, it kind of opened up a new perspective uh, to me on, you know, the, the notion of privacy use case, you know, outside of illegal terms, you know, and, uh, and, and same goes for, uh, for, for instance, Darrow with smart contracts, you know, where, where they're seeking, I don't know if it's uh, on the, along the same rigor as Beam has, has sought with, uh, uh, you know, compliance, but they are positioning themselves to be fully compliant uh, in the markets that they uh, operate in for enterprise use case, but where they have uh, fully encrypted smart contracts that enable for you know business to be uh, executed again without revealing that you know internal you know proprietary information for commerce. You know where they could you know keep obfuscated the the terms that a smart contract could be executed on, you know, whereas currently that's not available on Ethereum. And and those are just some of the, you know, the valid use cases of privacy for enterprise, not, you know, for money laundering or for keeping uh, money from the, you know, prying eyes of, you know, tax reporting. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned enterprise um, and, and, and blockchain together. So, I mean, you know, my personal point of view, like, you know, kind of what I wanted to talk about on this podcast or one thing I wanted to talk about was the value of building enterprise in this industry and bringing the existing skills you have from the real world and applying them here. Um, sorry to go off on a tangent here, but like the majority of people who come into crypto, they're always led down this path of trading is the only way you can make money in this industry. And, you know, it's kind of sell, like sold to them as a dream, so to speak. So, you know, let's say someone who's out there, who's an English graduate, you know, who is a writer, um, a freelancer, you know, why is he going to come into this industry and expect to learn to trade and make money off it? It's yeah. going to take him a few years, right? I mean, why not come here and be a content creator or a writer? So, you know, one of the other projects I'm working on right now is a, a podcast um, and it's called Blockchain Enterprises. And the basic idea is to talk about people's experiences of working in this space, but also setting up their own business as well. So I know I was mentioning before, like the cycles in this industry, and there's one good year every three or four years, and the two, three years in between, either you go on holiday, enjoy yourself, or you do something that, you know, um, kind of aside from looking at charts. One of the things I'm really kind of keen to stress in this industry and promote 
is the rewards of working in the blockchain industry. You know, the salaries in this industry are incredible. I mean, you know, coming back to what I was talking about before about my previous experience, I used to be a social worker. And as a content creator in crypto, I can earn more than what I ever did as a professional social worker working in the UK. You know, I mean, there's a good job. Um, I got paid well but compared to what I can make in crypto. Peanuts. So that's one thing I would stress to people. And the other thing I would stress is people are investing potentially hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin into projects like altcoins. And, you know, they hope that the price will go up. Crypto is one of the few industries in this world right now where you can start a business for a few hundred dollars and you can start making revenue in this industry straight away and be paid in crypto. So what I'm trying to stress here is why would you sit around and invest money into someone's project, a blockchain based project that you hope will go up on speculation because it does this and it's got all these shiny bells and whistles. Why not invest that money into yourself, either with your time and work or, you know, set up a business and sell a service, a product. I mean, you know, we interview all sorts of guys. I interview a guy who sells Bitcoin-based socks. I've interviewed someone who, you know, kind of... Uh, I interviewed Ben, um, the CEO of Bybit, um, recently. So we basically interview anyone and anyone in between, like, from whatever you're selling or building in this industry or wherever you're working. I'm going to say this, guys, for anyone who's listening out there and thinks that trading is the be-all and the most macho thing in this industry... Why would you not get paid and work in this industry and trade at the same time? I, I, the other thing I'm going to say, 99% of you guys out there who are trading, you'll not make money in the long term in this industry aside from a bull market. So maybe 99 is a high figure. Let's say 90% won't make it. You wouldn't make it consistently enough to make a living to replace the job you were doing in the life before. Why would you waste your time doing that when you can do other things and get paid for it you know maybe an example i can use is you know uh, maybe you guys call it soccer over there we call it football you know football for our listeners everyone likes to play football right likes to watch it but of, of everyone who plays how many make it to a level where they get paid professionally and they make a good living out of it maybe not 0.1 percent maybe less trading is yeah. very much the same so, you know, if you're not good enough to play football, are you going to keep trying to play until your 20s, 30s and 40s, knowing you're not going to make it? Or are you going to get a job, get paid in something else you do and just enjoy football and still get involved in it for your passion, you know, and potentially, you know, make money off it? Um, mm -hmm. Well, not make money off it because sports is different. But, you know, in terms of Bitcoin, I, I've started a challenge on my um, on my Twitter recently for our podcast channel to show so like with the start of this lockdown, anyone who knows me personally and grow digi, you know, I eat out a lot, post a lot of food pictures when I'm eating out. I estimate, you know, being out in London, I spend about £20 a day, uh, maybe about $25 in conversion just on food. And that's I don't even eat a lot. That'll be a co coffee in the morning, hot chocolate I drink, hot, hot chocolate and a cake, you know, bus fare, lunch in the afternoon and maybe some stuff from the shop on the way home. So since this lockdown, I said to myself, right, I can save £20 a day. And why don't I just invest that into Bitcoin over the so many months and see how much I end up with? I guarantee you, for most people out there, doing a strategy like that will outperform anything that you do by investing and trying to trade it on a leverage exchange and trying to make more Bitcoin. And, and you, you bring up some, some great points there. And, and chief among them is the fact that regardless of what 
we're doing in our day job, we're trading. You know, we're trading time and energy and skills either for U.S. dollar, for euro, for pound, for, uh, you know, if you're already keen on it, Bitcoin. Um, so if you're already long on Bitcoin and looking to, you know, speculate in other instruments to get more Bitcoin, you know, or if you're long on Bitcoin and long on other um, you know, speculative in instruments, then, you know, you may as well, you know, find a way to, you know, get compensated th for that directly so that you don't have to uh, bother with uh, exchange fees, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and you're already betting on yourself, you know? True. I mean, the other way you can look at it is, you know, I remember when, um, when BitMEX was first formed and I remember Arthur came into a trading group I used to be into, um, it used to be in, not into, be, be in. And he came in and he was like, hey guys, we've just launched our platform here. Check it out. If anyone wants to trade here, let me know. And he also said, I'll never forget this because I look back on it now. He also said, we're looking for people to join the team. If you want to send over your CV, we'll have a look. Now, I want to put this into context, guys. So people grasp how big BitMEX is. Remember, I was having a conversation with my wife the other day. And I was like, look, I remember when this company came out. Annually, BitMEX turns over, just on Bitcoin, around about $2.4 trillion in revenue. Unreal. Two, listen to this, $2.4 trillion. Now, if you imagine how much their fees are, I, I wouldn't want to say this out loud. I mean, I'm going to, I estimate they probably make about 40 to 50 billion a year, probably more. Um, and that's not including the value of their insurance fund, which is one of the biggest mining machines out there. It's bigger than matching mining farms. And also the value of their company. So what I'm trying to say to you guys out there, this is a company that started just over five years ago. Can you imagine, even if you're not the founder, right? Can you imagine getting a job in that position in the first couple of months on its launch and then working there for five years? Imagine if you had 1% equity of BitMEX as an employee and you, that grew over. Imagine you got 1% a year for every year you'd work there and you now had 5%. So basically you're, you're asking me, what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> oh, nothing. Look, the crypto is one of the few industries where a new platform comes up, a new company launches, and you can literally get in there from very early on. You can get paid in crypto you can be a part of the growth and, you know, five years on. I mean, I'm talking companies I could reel off my hand here that I've seen grow. BitMEX, OKX, NiceHash, TradingView. OK, TradingView isn't a crypto company, but TradingView only got so big. Now, bear in mind, TradingView is in the top 200 most visited websites in the world. They only became so big because of crypto traders. And I remember that transition very well in early 2015. And I had no idea they were one of the top 200 uh, most visited sites in the world. That's incredible. Incredible, right? And I mean, that is because of crypto. Now, I'm not saying all the guys who come on there and use it are crypto guys, but that company only pivoted its growth when crypto traders adopted their platform because nothing like that existed for us out there before. So again, for anyone listening out there, there is a million niches you can use from the real world and bring into crypto you can launch your company for $1,000, your time, and boom, you're ready to go. And I mean, you know, I can't stress it much more than this. You spend thousands in coins speculating on them. Spend the money on yourself.
Well, listen, Gordaji, you've been incredibly generous with your time and your energy and expertise with our listeners and with myself today. Are, are there any closing notes or final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners ruminating on? Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing I want to say to people is don't look at what everyone else is doing in their life and kind of compare it to you. The biggest mistake that people make in this industry is they look at an anonymous figure on Twitter they assume he's rich and they then compare their life to his and their growth in this industry compared to theirs. They don't know what they've gone through. People can sit here and listen to me talk and think, oh, this guy's been in crypto seven years. He must be super rich. No, I'm not. You know, I'm a regular guy. I'm a married man. My wife works, you know, well, we live a normal life, etc. So I'm not a rich guy and you don't need to think of other people. So you need to concentrate on yourself. You know, an hour spent on Twitter a day is an hour taken away from what you could be doing in your life. Who cares what everyone else is doing? I mean, literally, who cares? You know, focus on yourself and you'll feel so much better for it. In fact, we talked about this just before we came on air. Maybe the best advice I can give to anyone listening, make a list of your goals, what you want in your life, and especially what you want out of crypto. Then take all the social media off your phone for a month, the Discord, the Telegram, the Twitter, and just focus on your goals every day. And every day, write down 10 minutes of what you've done to achieve your goals and what you need to do. At the end of the month, I guarantee you, you will feel in a lot better place than where you are now when you're looking at other people and seeing what they're doing. Gurdjie, I've been quiet for most of this episode, mainly because I have had nothing to add with what you've stated so plainly and concisely. My final notes are just to echo yours. You, you said it so great, man. And, and yeah, I've, I've got nothing to add on to that. True. I mean, if anyone um, wants any advice on how to get started building a business, how to um, get work in this industry, you can hit up my website. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, you can always hit me up on Twitter if you want any personal advice. You know, so feel free to, to hit me up, guys, if you want to go down that road. And and you're right, Gordaji, they will be in the show notes. But just uh, for our uh, listeners on, on the podcast or, or those just listening audibly who are looking to uh, to jot it into their uh, uh, mobile phone as you're speaking, uh, what's your Twitter ha handle and what's the uh, website address that you'd like for listeners to reach you at? My personal Twitter handle is at Grodigi. Um, you'll find just kind of general ramblings on there. So um, that's my personal account. And then Proof of Review. So that's for all your project-based needs, all your exchange reviews. Um, that's proofreview.com. Twitter handle is at Proof of Review. Um, blockchain Enterprises, if anyone's interested in looking for work in crypto, knowing where to start or knowing how to build a business, listening to the stories of others, you can hit up our website on uh, www.blockchainenterprisespodcast.com or you can hit up our Twitter at be under slash podcast. Gertigy, you've been a tremendous guest, man, and uh, I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. We invite you to connect with our guest on Twitter, where I can be reached at BenjaminT1717, and Grotigy can be reached at Grotigy, which is G-R-O-D-I-G-I, -I, where you can also find his at Proof of Review handle. And while you're at it, make sure you visit ProofOfReview.com. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbnest.com slash discord. 
We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.